one of the biggest steps that I feel is so important to take, this has been such, for, at least for me specifically around manifesting abundance, which I know a lot of magical and spiritual people really want to do. The more conscientious I am of the earth, the smaller the footprint that I leave on the planet, the more she rewards me financially over and over time and time again. So I don't order things from Amazon. I am as plastic free as I can be here in my home. Again, everything is secondhand. Like my living room's full of dope restoration hardware furniture that I got on Facebook marketplace, you know, like Mm. you can make it work for yourself. Everything. These bookshelves are from like an antique weird prop warehouse kind of thing. So that's one step that is very, very important and has worked for me. This is episode 124 of Multi-Passionate Like a Boss, and I'm your host, Jenny O'Connor. I'm a writer, entrepreneur, and certified shiny object lover, and I'm obsessed with finding the easy way to live the dream. Hear this, my squirrel-brained friends. The most freeing moment of your life will be the moment you discover conventional wisdom isn't meant for you. It's meant for linear thinkers and specialists who are motivated by a different definition of success. We shiny object lovers, on the other hand, know that doing what we love is not a privilege. It's an obligation. That's why in this multi-passionate corner of the internet, we're designing lives and businesses on our terms disrupting how it's always been done and flipping the bird to all of the awful sounding things we should do. So if you're a rebel, a curious misfit, or a creator that shrinks from doing the inauthentic, hit that subscribe button and let's write our own rules for this brave new world. If growing an audience on social media feels like a slog and you're convinced there has to be a better way, there is. It's email. The average ROI for email marketing is $42 for every dollar you spend. Plus, email reaches approximately 79% of the people you send it to. Instagram, 13.5. Ugh. But a lot of folks aren't using this highly effective strategy because they think writing emails is too time-consuming or that they're no good at storytelling. If you've ever thought that yourself, my free guide, Write Better Emails the Easy Way, will change the game and help you craft memorable, money-making newsletters in just minutes a week. Get it now at jennyoconnor.com forward slash email. Hey boss fam. Welcome back to the show. One of my favorite things about being a podcaster is how I am literally like a kid on Christmas. Every single time I get to interview someone who I consider a hero or someone who I would fangirl over. And I know I say all the time that I'm more excited about this conversation than I've been about any of the past conversations, but I really feel like today that's more true than ever. Today, we're speaking with Mia Magic. She is a modern ambassador of ancient wisdom, reclaiming the truth that which means wise. She guides self-discovery and inner wisdom connection termed Into Witchin, which is also the title of her first book. Leading the Academy of Magical Artistry, Mia has empowered thousands to unlock their supernatural potential to find purpose and prosperity. Her advocacy for Mother Earth informs her work and teachings, promoting a more magical, sustainable world. Her expertise is backed by certifications in 13 disciplines, including Hatha Yoga and NLP, and she facilitates transformative retreats and personal coaching, helping individuals and professionals from various fields realize their own unique magic. This is just 
such a cool conversation. And if you believe that you have magic inside of you and you have always secretly wanted to go study at Hogwarts, this is going to be your favorite interview you have ever heard on my show. So let's dive in. Hi, Mia. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here. I have been marinating in your beautiful, amazing book that just came out. We're going to talk all about it. But my listeners know that I am a word nerd. As a writer myself, I set an intention to love every word as I engage in my craft. So imagine my delight as I was preparing this interview to discover that you are a word nerd too. So great. Not only does your book discuss the etymology of all of these important terms so that we can reclaim them, but you also create really colorful plays on words. <laughs> Like Intuition, which is the title of your book that we're going to talk about today, but you also describe yourself as a permissionary for people reclaiming their true nature. I would love for you to elaborate on what that means. Yes. Thank you. So I, I love this question. No one's ever asked me that before. And it's a word that resonates so deeply within me because when you think about a missionary, back in the time of the witch trials and the witch hunts, missionaries were sent on missions to civilize these ancient indigenous societies and people and to convert them into Christianity by force, by coercion, by, you know, the alternative being death. And so even in the Roman Catholic church, the word propaganda comes from propagare, which was a department of the church intent upon propagating the religion. And that's where we get propaganda is from the church. <laughs> and so for me, this word missionary and someone who's on a mission, right? Like it has been very co-opted by people who were utilizing violence, who were wiping out, you know, your audience knows what the true origin and nature of witches is and are. They were the ones working with the plants, helping people to heal. They were the doctors. They were the, the spiritual leaders of our societies, of our tribes. And so for me, the fact that like, even in Mormonism, going on a mission is to share and spread this particular idea of what God is and means that just always to me felt like such a, a toxic type of mission. Why not, why not help people find their own relationship to God? Why not support people in healing from their wounds, from their childhood trauma? And so for me, it's, it's two-sided. One is like the actual missionary is that I'm not here to spread even my craft, even the way that I wrote intuition and how I teach online is never about like, do this, this specific way on this day with these things or else it's not going to work. My work is about how can you unwind the limiting beliefs or the stories or programs that are preventing the desired outcome of that spell from coming to fruition in your life. And then simultaneously, I do give people permission because I stand as myself. I'm wearing a pointy hat. I believe in magic. I talk to dragons. I am like totally out there in terms of, you know, modern society. And for me, it's like the farther, the better. I'm where word comes from. You said word nerd, like where word comes from. It meant destiny, the same as weird. And so like, I'm here to be weird. And I want to give people permission to be their weird selves because the weirder I allowed myself to be, the closer I came to my destiny and the more I learned about myself. And so my my mission is permission. It's like, be yourself, speak your truth, fuck the way you want, love the way you want, practice your craft the way you want, like express yourself the way that 
feels true and right for you, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else and you're not doing magic like to affect anybody else's life or reality, great. You're doing perfect. And, and that's really for me to be a permissionary is, is to spread what I feel is the mission of reconnecting people to the divine in their own unique way. Every relationship to God is going to look different. There's going to be eight and a half billion unique ways of relating to God and then finding the permission within yourself to, to be safe, to feel safe, to say what you need to say, to express your boundaries, to follow your dreams and your destiny and be who it is that you truly desire to be oftentimes like from that version of ourselves in childhood. And so that's really what being a permissionary means to me is just giving people permission to be in their full magical expression. Oh, it's, it's, it's so great. And so in keeping with the theme of this show. And I think for multi-passionates in particular, there's no predestined path for us. It's not uh, the way we live our lives looks so different from basically what we're taught. Like, so we get this feeling that we're doing it wrong. Flying our freak flag is a scary notion. Yeah. How did you like, can you describe the, sort of the transition that occurred for you from hiding your light to being like, here the fuck I am. You can love it or not. How, how did that happen for you? You know, I'm not one of those people who had like the lightning bolt and then everything just shifted. I was a slow burn kind of gal. I was a everyday baby steps, getting outside of my comfort zone, doing the types of things that scared me. And but ultimately for me, what I realized is that I'd spent so much of my life fighting tooth and nail against who I was in order to get people's approval, in order to be cool or accepted or like to belong with them or whatever it was. And ultimately I just recognized how unhappy I was. I was miserable, honestly. And so the day that I started choosing to really follow my intuition, to let the voice of my inner wisdom and guidance system send me on missions and and I would accomplish them and I would actually do the things that like this weird little nudge told me to do and then I would be rewarded and something magical would occur. There were just so many moments, but but for me I think that the biggest piece is that I I finally realized that I I wanted to be surrounded by people who knew me for who I really am. I wanted to have friends who can love me as like this wild witchy girl who like paints moon blood on her face and is just like totally fucking out there. And I realized that I, most of the people that surrounded me, they liked me and they were cool with me, but I didn't feel like they really knew me. And so it became a, it became an experiment, honestly. And it's really how I started sharing myself as well, because the hiding, there are many layers, like the witch, hiding from the witch started when I was even younger because people thought I was such a loser. But then I actually was in an accident when I was 16 and I almost lost my arm and I almost became an amputee. A lot of people don't even know this part of my story because it doesn't like feel like part of my story anymore. But uh, it wasn't allowed to be in the sun for over a year. So I had to wear this thing that covered it up. And that became this story of like, I have to cover myself up. I have to hide who I really am. And the first video that I ever made, even like the first photo that I ever posted of my arm like this, I just like put it out there and I saw 
it was like, you know, this is the time before like social media was social media. It was just Facebook and it was only your friends. And I got like 500 likes on this photo, you know, and I had like 800 friends or whatever. And all these people were commenting and everyone was like, oh my God, Mia, we love you. Like, this is so amazing. And I was like, wow, that was literally the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Putting that photo up with my scar exposed and it got the most incredible response. And then the first video I ever made was actually about the story of putting that up there and talking about it and saying how terrified I was. And that video did go viral on Facebook and, you know, got like thousands and thousands of views. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like what is going on? And then even with magic and and with witchery, I was not available for referring to myself as a witch. I was like, I'm a wizard like Harry Potter. Like, you know, that's not me. Like, don't call me that. You know, I have Christian friends. Why would you, you know, don't like, don't call yourself a witch. Like that's evil. You know, I'm worried about you. And my first viral photos on Instagram were because of not this hat, but the black one. And, and because people saw this iconic expression of evil that this like cute, friendly, intelligent, digestible girl is wearing and like, wow, this is interesting. And so for me, and even with my arm taking off the, the sleeve that I always used to, to cover it up, just disappeared and dematerialized from reality one day. And I had like 12 of them. So like, it wasn't possible for just one. They just all stopped existing, hmm. and which was so wild and such a miracle in and of itself. But I went to this party and same deal. I was like terrified. I was like, oh my God, like, oh my God, people are going to see me. They're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm deformed and disfigured and I'm ugly and I'm shouldn't be here. I'm like freaking out. And I just heard this voice be like, Mia, enough, enough now. And so I walked into the party and nobody even noticed. Like, obviously, if you're wearing a big black sleeve, like covering your arm, it's a lot more uh, apparent to people than just your skin color, you know? And nobody even noticed. So I had these massive experiences of cognitive dissonance where I could never have imagined the outcome occurring that did. I I just assumed that it would be this like punishment or some kind of negative consequence or repercussion for me. And it just wasn't. And so then I started really, that was like me receiving my own permission and becoming a permissionary for myself first and foremost. It's like, okay, girl, these things that you think you're actually most afraid of are the things that are driving the needle forward. They're making you feel free. They're making other people feel resonant with you. You're inspiring people. You're like, obviously they're interested in what you're saying and doing, being yourself, not pretending, not hiding. And so for me, I got really greatly rewarded after so many years of hiding. I got rewarded by showing myself. And just for everyone out there listening who who might be experiencing the opposite, I find that, and I have those types of opposite experiences often, I find that, you know, the universe is going to give us the thing that we need. So I actually did feel incredibly confident. Like I'm a very, you know, but I could never have believed that those things were possible. If you're the kind of person that like believes that those things are possible, but they're not happening for you or they're not coming to you and you, you know, put yourself out there on Instagram live, or you say something or you share something with someone and and it backfires. And this has certainly been happening to me more lately. I find that that is actually just the universe wanting to ensure your commitment. Like, okay, even though I'm going to prove that you're right, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be this person. You shouldn't share this. 
can you stand in the face of that? Because you actually know, you actually know that this is who you are and this is who you're meant to be. And you can't keep pretending anymore. And so that now has been my experience. And I get a lot of people asking about that. They're like, well, I did this thing or I showed my true self and I got punished by the universe or something bad happened. And so I experience that a lot more now. And I find that it's just in order to strengthen your mental resolve and to truly create new commitments and new pathways for yourself. So don't get discouraged. Just keep on keeping on. Mm, I love that. And I love that you brought it full circle because I do say, you know, there's so much fear of putting yourself out there in the first place, but the most people that do find what you found that they are rewarded. That vulnerability is so relatable that people want more of your authenticity. When the haters come is usually when you've started to become known. Now that now there are a lot of people who know who you are. And so I almost see like the haters as a rite of passage, but I like the way that you put it too. It is testing your resolve. How badly do you want this? Because that is the way to push through if you do feel like, ah, that didn't go the way that I wanted it to. So I think that was really important for my listeners to hear. I want to circle back to claiming the title of yeah. which, mm-hmm. because I do, I've had had a few people on the show who have, we've talked a little bit about woo, woo topics and certainly I am uh woo myself, yeah. but there's more etymology here that you unravel in, in intuition about witch and witchcraft. And I really yeah. love what the words actually mean. Can you explain please? Absolutely. Yeah. Which comes from wisdom, one who sees, one who knows, one with wisdom, right? This was the the oracle, the seer, the healer of the tribe who could see the greater energies, who could receive the information from the world around us. And craft in old German means strength or skill. So witchcraft is literally just strengthening the skill of your wisdom. It's about cultivating. And in in my experience, again, this is why I, I work with the craft the way that I do is because it's about your wisdom. So if you've had an experience with a color or a number or an animal, there's no way that someone else's prescription of what you should do or who you should be, they can't take that into account because they don't know. They don't know Mm -hmm. your life. They don't know your history. They don't know your story. And that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom is that knowledge is conceptual, right? So you can read all the witch books that you want, But if you've had a different experience with this particular deity or, again, this animal or, you know, a specific robe that you want to wear, then someone else's prescription, again, like someone else is supposed to, isn't going to apply to you in the same way. And and wisdom is embodied. Wisdom is how you live your life in response to and alignment with the lessons that you've learned. And so that's how I think that really like crafting, strengthening your wisdom is about looking at your life, seeing what's working and what isn't. What are the habits and patterns and behaviors that I know that I'm still operating in that are that are negatively affecting the, the outcomes of my spells, my manifestations, my words, my relationships, and how can I then utilize my wisdom and work with those patterns and eradicate them in order to just live more freely. And I love that that's where like the witch comes from. It's, it's, it's not just the wisdom. It's like one who sees and one who knows those things that we know within ourselves. Those are really the guideposts for us 
on our own spiritual journeys. And I, I love that word so much. And, and I think it's so important for us to, remember, you know, we talk about crafts people, like a craftsman is a, str- is a strongly skilled person in whatever it is that they are creating. And so when you're strengthening that craft of wisdom, that's what I, I truly believe. That's why these were the, the healers and the leaders of the tribes. And imagine if we all went out and just were like, kill all the doctors, like let's kill every doctor in the world. You know, people would think you were psychotic and yet that's exactly what happened. And so I think that it's, it's incredibly important for us all to reclaim our innate wisdom. And, and so that's why I'm like, everybody's a witch, you know, because everyone has wisdom. Everyone has lived through something that they've learned something from and, and operating informed by that lesson is what then makes you a witch and, and allows you to, to craft that wisdom within yourself. Yeah. It's so important to have this understanding because for so many, I mean, it, you're absolutely right with uh, what you talked about with the witch wound and people believing that witches are evil. I'm, I myself did. I actually didn't think they were real, but if they were real, they were bad. It was so much unlearning I had to do to get to the place where I am now. So in your book, you write, being a witch isn't about what you practice. It's how you live. How do you integrate and embody the wisdom you've gained from all your trials, tribulations, and triumphs into the character you play in life? I want to email that sentence to my stepmom who would disown me in an instant if she knew that I identified with the word witch. But to me, this is such a perfect explanation. Mm -hmm. This notion that I can alchemize pain into power is so liberating. And I don't see why anyone who loves me wouldn't want that for me. On the other hand, though, the powers that be have been staunchly opposed to this for centuries, which makes sense. My listeners will understand why I had to have you on the show from this single sentence. Simply believing in magic is an act of rebellion against the governance of our modern world. (laughs) So talk about, because in such a large way, your book is about this, the steps that we can take to disrupt our programming and the shoulds that we're surrounded by and the rules that prohibit us from being authentically ourselves. Man, there's so many. One is just <laughs> not buying into the the scarcity that fuels our world in terms of like materialism and buying stuff. Um, you know, I'm a secondhand everything here, even like the crystals, everything is secondhand. I or like, you know, find owl wings in the in, on the earth and um eagles molt me feathers and things. And, Mm. um, that is like the number one thing when we're operating in the capitalist machine, which like I'm a capitalist, I have a business, I make money. I got to pay rent, you know, like I got to survive. I have, I have a car. I got to eat, you know, that's the way that the world functions now. I'm not anti-money. I love money. I just think that there is a really important way that conscious people have an obligation, really like, sorry, y'all hate to like put a damper on it, but I think we do have an obligation to utilize and wield our money and resources. If it's going to be so much, like so, so much less than the actual people who are like making the, the, you know, real big decisions and the, and the systemic lack of change really on our planet, we have to remember that the micro and the macro reflect one another. That's what intuition really is all about is understanding the law of correspondence as above, so below, as within, so without. So if we on the micro can make changes, can believe differently, can transform the way that we relate to reality, it will ripple up and out 
into the macrocosm. That's just the nature of reality. That's how it works. So when we have a, a statement about like, oh, you know, recycling, like, oh, my, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm one person. If 8 billion people said that, Mm. fucked, you know? Mm -hmm. So so one of the biggest steps that I feel is so important to take, this has been such, at least for me specifically around manifesting abundance, which I know a lot of magical and spiritual people really want to do. The more conscientious I am of the earth, the smaller the footprint that I leave on the planet, the more she rewards me financially over and over time and time again. So I don't order things from Amazon. I am as plastic free as I can be here in my home with everything. Again, everything is secondhand. Like my living room's full of dope restoration hardware furniture that I got on Facebook marketplace. You know, like Mm. you can make it work for yourself. Everything. These bookshelves are from like an antique weird prop warehouse kind of thing. So that's one step that is very, very important and has worked for me is like creating a a remembrance of our relationship and our, and our once upon a time, our harmony with mother nature and mother earth. And remembering that this planet in fact is the mother that we all share who makes us all brothers and sisters. So that is like the most important thing because you can start to shift your own vibrational frequency and relationship to the powers that be and to the machine that's telling you like, oh, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You need this bra and you need these clothes and you need this makeup or you need this car. You need this gadget or you need this new thing in order to be acceptable. Like stepping out from that matrix perspective is one of the most liberating things you can do. And then it feels really good. And then you get to like have more fun finding things and like flea markets and antique stores. So that's number one. And that has been the most pivotal shift in my life is relating to mother nature as my teacher, as my friend, as my guide, as like the only thing that I'm willing to idolize or worship outside of myself. Not that I idolize myself, but you know what I mean? Like if I'm the only one here, if we're all kind of just projecting our holograms into reality, she is the, she's the, the safe temple and place of worship for me. And I feel really deeply devoted to her. So -hmm. that's one, a devotional relationship with nature and a more conscientious commitment to her in terms of your own personal footprint. Number two is really finding the people that are going to be in it with you, because that is so important and impactful. If you can find community, even if it's just online, you know, people who are interested in the same things that you are. And and remember that you're not alone. You are not alone. None of us magical people are alone. It can feel like that. It can feel isolating. We can have parents and step-parents and teachers and preachers and peers who make us feel so isolated and like there's something wrong with us. But the problem is, is that there's something wrong with society. That's why believing in magic is an act of rebellion is because we lived, when you look, I mean, I just, not just, what am I talking about? I went to Egypt several years ago, but I've been to many sacred sites. When you go to these places, I just got full body chills just thinking about it. When you go to these places where rituals were part of the everyday life, Chichen Itza, Tikal, you know, Mount Everest, like there's so many places in the world. You can feel the magic still in them. You can feel the palpable, visceral energy of power in those places. Imagine if we as a species related to and interacted with those beautiful sacred sites with the awareness of their power, things would be different. Things would change. And so I think that that's also a really important practice for anyone who is wanting to 
change their mindset, get out of their comfort zone, feel safe in their magic is to remember that it is our ancient way. It is where we came from. The church is not that old. The church is what's new age, really, if we're, if we're really diving into it. A pagan, earth-based, matrilineal, matriarchal, goddess-worshipping civilization is where every single person on earth once came from. That's our origin. That's where we all descended from. And so when we you know, have the opportunity to look at the witch wound, it's all just programming. It's all just, you know, I like to think of it as like our inner Voldemort or our inner witch hunter. Those, those stories, those beliefs, they are stuck so deeply within us. And, you know, something that I think not enough witches talk about is how the witch wound lives in men, that men were there to protect and provide for us. And if your wife, sister, daughter, cousin, mother was dragged out of your home in front of you and burned alive, imagine the damage that that would do to your sense of duty. And men carry that. And and that, I think, despite how impactful and horrible the witch wound was for 9 million women and what a massive percentage of the population that was at the time to be wiped out, I think that the fact that men turned against their own mothers and then also couldn't protect their own mothers, daughters, sisters from other men. I think that's actually the truest source of the agonizing pain that the governmental leadership on our planet is in and why they're perpetuating this pillaging of the earth. And so that's why I really like to work with that inner witch hunter, like work with your inner Voldemort, work with your inner darkness, work with the shadows and the pain and and all of the parts of yourself that tell you that magic isn't real or you don't deserve it. And when you can face off with those things and again, like give yourself permission to stand in the fire before them and not be taken down, or even if you do get taken down, rise like the phoenix from the ashes, that's really what makes, at least in my experience, that's what makes a magical life. And that's what allows us to then step away from just, again, like the prescription that society gives to us. Children should not be on antipsychotics. People who are having beautiful visions and psychic gifts come online should not be locked up in mental institutions. There are so many ways that we are perpetuating sickness in our society. And when we can reclaim our health through our wisdom and our relationship to nature, then I I truly believe that, again, that ripple in the microcosm will begin to unwind and allow the pain and suffering in in the macrocosm to really unravel. Yeah. Yeah. Those are such good ideas for I, I don't know. It, it's it's fighting back. It's fighting back yeah. against the patriarchy. And and, sure. we, and we can all, like you say, if everyone said, I'm just one person, that would be terrible. So I, I do like to believe that my small impact does make a difference. And that's really, really good to remember. And it's your own authenticity that has encouraged you to, you know, share your own wisdom around like things that have been considered taboo, like sex magic, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, I also love, and this is one of the reasons I invited you on the show. When I heard you on the day Luna podcast, you talked about peeing outside (laughs) as, as often as you have an, I mean, I'm sure, you know, living in a big city, you don't do that (laughs) 
<laughs> on I don't live in a big city. I live up outside in a canyon far oh, from the city. I'm, I mean, I'm close okay. enough. I dip in, but no, I live up in the mountains. So I'm every single day, all day, especially okay. right now while I'm bleeding. Like, yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm glad that's still, I didn't know if we, when you moved around that changed. Talk about what, what that's doing. What is that about? Water is the element of our creativity, of our sexuality, of our emotions. And I think that those are three of the places in our modern world where we have been most poisoned. Sex is shamed and bad and dangerous. Guess what? Everyone got here through fucking (laughs) everyone, everyone like, okay, maybe there's like some IVF babies and some test tube babies and like, okay, cool. Like, yes, there's a couple of people now, like in the last 50 years since that's been possible, everybody else got here through fucking. Mm -hmm. Keep it real. Mm -hmm. So sex, emotions, men aren't supposed to cry when women get too emotional. Like even my partner in our first, you know, uh, moments of being together, he was so trained not to cry as a little boy that every time I would get emotional, he'd be like, it's okay, baby, don't cry. And I'd be like, no, it's okay. I'm crying. Like, don't tell me not to cry. You know, Mm. because all of us are so programmed about emotions. If women get angry when anger is across boundary. Anger is a, you know, it's a, it's a signal emotion. Like it means don't come near me or like you've crossed past my no women aren't allowed to get angry. Great. Cool. So like sexuality, emotions, both of those things have been poisoned in our world, our relationship to them. We've been stripped from our just innate divine birthright to experience them however we desire and in whatever way feels right for us. And then creativity. If you are creative in this world. I saw this beautiful old, like from 1937, this comic. And it was a man sitting in a room. It was a bunch of people, a bunch of like tables. There are all these tables and the, there's like the arts and science and research and, you know, healthcare and, um, all these uh, little tables. And they're all just this one person sitting there alone by themselves And then there's the table marked war and the guy, like the food is overflowing. The money is just, there's like piles of money all over. There's like a bunch of weird guys, like smoking cigars standing around him. And everyone else is like waiting. Like, I wish I could get a little bit of resources for the arts. You know, Hmm. our creativity is, is shunned. If a little boy is like, I want to be a dancer or I want to be an artist So often his parents shame him, make him wrong. Like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Or like, that's for pussies. Again, like pussies are the strongest, most resilient part of the entire human body. Um, So every time everyone says that, I'm like, yeah, you mean really strong and powerful and the thing that straight men. Choose a new word for that. (laughs) Like enter into the world through and spend their whole lives trying to get back into like, okay. Um, But so when we pee outside, One, plants benefit from the nitrogen in our urine. Two, we're not toxifying the water. We're not contributing to the damage and the poison of, again, like the element that is literally like the blood flowing through our veins. We are not contributing to the pollution of our sexuality, our creativity, and our emotional reality. And so that's what it is for me. It's like, I'm also aware, you know, I was just in Tanzania last month and I was watching children carry like giant buckets of water from far away. And like the source of the water isn't even that clean anyways. And they're carrying their water to where they need to go. And in the Western world, like for lack of a better description, we shit into clean water that 
billions of people on earth would kill to drink. Mm -hmm. And so just having an awareness of that, just being conscientious, that goes back to like that first step around like how to really live in a more magical way is to first just be aware, (laughs) just be aware of how this, this earth, right? Like this is the body. The bones within you are like the stones in the mountains. The rivers, creeks, and streams inside of you are the blood in your veins. We exchange the wind with the natural world around us, with the plants and the algaes. And then there is this electricity making our hearts beat in every moment and and making our digestion function and our neurons fire. There is this light, this fire inside of us. And the spirit is that which animates it all. We are made of the same elements as this world around us. And when we can relate to it in a way that is cognizant of that, again, I just find myself being rewarded over and over and over again. I just find I can feel that the earth loves me. I can feel her care for me. I can feel like makes me emotional just thinking about it. Like I can viscerally experience her gratitude for Mm -hmm. me, for me, like saying these things and looking, being this like pretty girl in a witch hat being like, Hey, everyone go pee outside. Like people are like, bitch, you are fucking crazy. I'm like, well, I don't know. It's what the mother is telling me. And I cannot do anything other than speak on her behalf anymore because there's not enough of us doing it. There are some of us are doing it. Thank goddess. But, you know, not everyone is. And and so um, I love peeing outside. It makes me feel really good, especially like when I'm bleeding. I'm, I'm on my moon right now. And and to watch like my blood, this sacred liquid life force of creation, just go into the toilet and like get flushed away. Like I just can't. I can't do that. I'm like, I water my plants with it. I make paintings with it. I do all kinds of crazy things with moon blood. And, um, and it's been very liberating and freeing for me to reclaim this relationship. And I, and I feel the waters and I feel the earth and I feel the winds blessing me and thanking me by, by just operating in a, again, to me, it is our ancient way. You would never shit in water. Even animals don't do that. That's why people like think it's so weird that their cats drink out of the toilet. I'm like, no, that's fresh water coming into your home. That's not moving. Animals know not to drink stagnant water because it's not good for them. They drink moving water. Even cats won't bring their food near to the water because they don't want the food to rot and then poison their water. Mm -hmm. And so animals are very, very aware of this harmonious, balanced, reciprocal relationship with the natural world. And humans used to be too. Like our poop used to just fertilize the earth. It would never go into the water, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's really, again, it's just reclaiming these ancient ways and witnessing the way that the modern prescription of reality has stripped us from our wisdom and stripped us from our connection to nature and, and reclaiming that and every same thing with compost, you know, like throwing food waste into a garbage can instead of just like, out into the earth, or I use a Lomi machine, um, which is this really cool contraption, again, that I got on Facebook Marketplace, um, that literally turns all of your food scraps into dirt. And then you can plant your little plants inside the dirt that's made from the compost of your own food. You know, there's just so much that we're, that we're doing these days. That's not in service to mother earth. And, And the more we make those changes, I truly believe the more the world will change. I just thought that was so fascinating. And that was such a great explanation for, for why I, when I would go on these solitary retreats in Colorado, they would say there was a compost toilet there, but they would say the more you pee outside, the more it creates an awareness with all of the other animals that are in the environment of kind of like 
they know you're there now, you know, it was just, and, and I saw it as just kind of this reciprocity that was occurring. So I, I, I feel like that's exactly what it is. And that totally explains why you feel yourself receiving too, is because you are creating this, this reciprocal situation. I would be remiss. I, I have to just bring this up. Yeah. If I didn't ask you about your retreats, because you, you mentioned your inner Voldemort as a Harry Potter nerd. Um, you create retreats that feel like attending Hogwarts. Just could you just give me a little bit about that? A teaser, if you will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's very goddess-based Hogwarts. Um, but yes, I run retreats at castles in Scotland, England, Ireland. Um, I'm really looking to branch out and find other places. Like we're looking at Poland and Germany. Um, but just castles anywhere are such a vibe. And for me, I really, I love doing it because it's deep, trauma healing, somatic work, lots of rituals and feminine embodiment and so much fun and so much transformation. Like that's really the point is you, you look at someone's face the first day and the last day, and they're like different people. And it's such a gift. It's such a blessing. I love working with people in person. It's so amazing to do it. And for me, I really, I love the idea. Why, why I use the castles is because it really helps us anchor in during a transformative time, the way that you were experiencing that reciprocal relationship with the land by peeing outside. It really helps us anchor in the worthiness and the external reflection of like what we're capable of and what's possible. So if we're being received by this castle, if we're like living in this castle in the lap of luxury, when really every single thing that we do, like all the rituals are done outside, everything is about being connected to nature. The luxury is really just to hold the container. And I'm a Gemini. So, you know, I like balance and I'm also a Taurus rising with my Venus in Taurus in the first house. So like, I love luxury, but I know that the true nature of luxury is nature is like a soft, mossy meadow to lay upon. And so that's where we do all of our rituals. And that's what the greatest gift of those experiences is to me, is that like when we're inside, yes, like live the full fantasy. We're going to fucking Hogwarts. You can make your dreams come true. Anything you desire is possible. And then when we go outside, that again, is anchored and sort of integrated into our beings in terms of keeping us really safe in this container that is so fantastical. It's so like what we all dreamt of when we were little, pe at least I certainly did, you know? <laughs> um, and, and that energy then we take out and we go into these beautiful, there's a couple of like gorgeous canopies and waterfalls and singing in caves and um, places where we can then let go of and shed and scream out or like exercise the demons of the inner Voldemort and, and the parts of ourselves that don't believe we're worthy of that life or don't believe that it's possible for us to manifest our dreams or, you know, feel like success only comes from really hard work rather than being able to, again, eradicate what you have in your mind that says you don't deserve it or you'll never access it. And then watching it unfold, which was certainly my experience. You know, I didn't work very hard at all for the first years in my business. I would work like four hours a week and make multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, like literally just like 
where is this coming from? I have no idea. I don't know. Like the universe is caring for me. The goddess is caring for me. And so that's really my intention with the retreats is giving people permission again, as always to be their fullest self, to live their most magical life and to figure out what that means. You know, we have a lot of people who like quit their jobs afterwards and then they go out and they start their spiritual business and it's doing really well. One of my dear sisters, Sarah, who's been to two of my Scotland retreats, we have so many people who come back again because they're like, wow, I became someone so different. I changed so much in six days that now six months later or a year later, like I'm coming back. Cause now there's more, like, I want to mm-hmm. go deeper. I want to go farther. I want to shed even more of the old ways. And, um, yeah. And I think especially with technology these days, like there's just nothing like being in person and it's my greatest joy to do those things. And we, we do, we get super wild. It's rage rituals and sex magic and, you know, all the things there. It's absolutely my favorite and and such an honor. I would love to have you. You should definitely come. Oh my gosh. It's it, the fact that you do that for a living is a dream come true, but I 100%, I want to come to all of them until the end of time. I want to keep you for hours and I can't because I know that you're on a schedule today. So let's, let me conclude by giving you my favorite takeaway from your book. First, I, your book is a gift. Mm. And I have, I couldn't get through it as quickly as I wanted to in time for this, this podcast interview, because it was so activating. Mm. And I kept having to stop and like, map out a new project that I was going to do or immediately right in this very moment, I have to do some automatic writing around this thing that I can't unravel for myself. It it was, it is the ultimate form of self care. My cat is is really, really into this interview right now. Sorry for the noise, guys. Pussy um, power. <laughs> pussy power. Um, but I I it I just want to say to all of you listening, if you are into exploring your spirituality in this way, this is a gift you you owe it to yourself to go out and buy. It is a beautiful book. Thank you so much for creating it. And my favorite takeaway is this: if we truly knew how magical we are. No one would be overworking to build extractive empires for other people. We would be peacefully tending to our land with everything we desire and require and treating other people with kindness and respect. So if that is what breaking the rules looks like, I am here for it. If it requires me to fly my freak flag and believe in my own magic, I am here for it. So is there anything else you would like to add before you tell my audience how they can learn more about you and get this fabulous new book? Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm so, so grateful for that. And and really, you know, my intention with writing it, we, we touched on it a little bit, is to help you read the language of the universe because there is a cosmic tapestry that's like eternal, infinite cave paintings. You know, it's a map. It's, it's all the signs and symbols. This is the most ancient form of divination. How do the birds fly? How do the waves crash? How does the wind whisper to me? And, and this is where our species came from and, and learning this language. And it's a lifelong process. I'm still learning every single day. Like some, one of my friends called me this morning. He's like, Mia, what does the seal mean? Like I, I, I'm outside in the ocean and I'm looking at this seal and the seal's looking at me and like, I'm, we're making eye contact and we're having this moment. And now I'm, a, and you know, it was like so sweet. Everything has meaning. Every moment like that has significance, has an opportunity for us to divine wisdom and information. And that's why I love that word divine so much is because it's an adjective and it's a verb and it's a noun. And I I love 
understanding that we can divine information from the divine to make our lives more divine. And and that's what intuition is really all about. And so it is an incredible resource. I, I really appreciate your reflection, Jenny. Thank you so much because it's an incredible resource for being able to live your magical life and also understand how you can engage in this active dialogue with the universe and become a more empowered or impactful part of the puzzle, like peace in this beautiful, again, this a thread in this tapestry of our of our universe and, and become again, more empowered, more impactful, and really understand how to have that conscious conversation and communication with the universe so that it can help you get what you want. Because when we're having these, like, if we're always saying like, oh, I can't afford it, or, oh, I can't do that. You know, that's communication to the universe. Like we said, it's the words, you know, like every word we speak is a spell we cast. And so that is, is absolutely my intention is just giving us the permission to reclaim our power and and our magic and really remember what that means and what that looks like and ideally live in the kind of world where all of us feel that permission to do the same and we can actually change it and create the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. Mm, Yes. Yes. It's so good. So tell my listeners how to find you. Yes. So all of my accounts, website, Instagram, everything is under... Sorry, <laughs> under Mia Magic, M I A M A G I K, just like this. This is intuition. This is what it looks like. And it's just come out and it's been so much fun. I have live events coming up um, for the book signings in places like Miami and Austin. If you are around there, there's just like so many wonderful things uh, happening right now. And so everything, Mia Magic, website, Instagram, YouTube, all the things, M I A M A G I K. Mm, Perfect. I will drop all of the links and a link to the book and all of those things in the show notes. It has been such a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much, Mia. Oh, bless us. Thank you. So boss fam, if you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, and let's be honest, how could you not have, please share it with other multi-passionates who need to hear these messages so they can find their way back to their own magic. It's so, so important. I would be so grateful if you would share the good word. And if you liked the content of this episode, you will love episode 101, where I talk with Kimberly Stargazer on tarot and going back to simpler times. We discuss archetypal energies and aligning with the natural rhythms of nature, as well as how the tarot can help multi-passionates make difficult decisions. So be sure to check it out. And don't forget to grab your free copy of Lifestyle Design for Multi-Passionates. This is the guidebook that I wish I had had from the beginning. Answer a few questions about your deepest struggles and get focusing hacks, time management strategies, job suggestions, and confidence-enhancing tools specific to who you are. Plus, learn to steal back 24 hours a month. No big deal. That's just a whole extra day to go be more magical. So go and grab your copy today at jennyoconnorcom forward slash good life. And until next time, remember, we're the only ones who can save ourselves. We are responsible for lighting the spark within, and we can do so through fun, play, and being our wildest, weirdest selves. Now get on out there and do the thing.